everybody, and thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Regrettably Zoomers. Uh, we are recording this on the 7th of November, and the election results have been just about confirmed. Uh, Joe Biden has won the presidency. The Democrats have narrowly retained a House majority, and the Republicans look like they'll retain their Senate majority. Uh, we have a very special guest joining us this week, uh, Ecclesia uh, Abebe. Uh, Ecclesia is a student at George Washington University, majoring in finance and political science. Uh, we're going to be talking a little bit today about uh, what this election means for the future of both of the major parties, uh, even how how the rest of the election, even how the rest of the election shakes out, uh, and then answer some listener questions. So, uh, my election night plan was uh, was a little bit of a of a complex one. Uh, the general idea was if if either if either body uh, of the legislature looked like it was going to stay red, then I would uh, root for Biden just purely on the grounds of I think it would be great for everyone to just politically take a take a bit of a deep breath, and it's hard to do uh, mm-hmm. with someone who's as much of a as much of a political lightning rod as as Donald Trump is. Um, when it started to look a, a little bit shaky, uh, <laughs> my uh, my feelings started to. Um, started to change a little bit but when the senate started to look more solid um i was i was hopeful about what i was seeing in the swing states with biden uh gaining a lot of votes um as a sort of you know center right person politically i'm optimistic about having the country like i said just kind of take a take a deep breath um and i'm i'm thrilled about the about the uh, about a lot of republicans overcoming huge odds to maintain a red senate and even flip a lot of house seats uh, i see a lot of the failures uh, from democrats this year as a, as as largely a rebuke um, of for for lack of a more eloquent way of putting it their their bs i think the bubble that coastal leftists live in does not represent a whole lot of the country um, and I think that kind of showed uh, on on Tuesday. Uh, and I think telling Americans that you know, oh, that they should just accept, you know, the the ninety three trillion dollar climate plan of the Green New Deal, the socialized medicine, other fully nationalized services, uh, massively inflated tax rates, and more. I you know, it doesn't it doesn't work. <laughs> uh, thank God it doesn't work. Um, I think uh, let's see here. There, there's something here about. A lot of uh, Democrats angry about how it went and blaming many of the radicals in their own party. Uh, this is from Newsmax. I'll just read off something here. Uh, uh, House Democrats took aim at House Speaker Nancy Pelosi and some of the party's far left ideas during a three hour phone call Thursday that featured lawmakers crying and yelling, according to a new report. Amid talk that some Democrats are already plotting to oust Pelosi from the speakership after the party lost several seats in Tuesday's election, Politico reports that some lawmakers blame Pelosi and calls for things like defunding the police, although the party does still control the House. Uh, Abigail Spanger, uh, Spanberger, Democrat of Virginia, was particularly vocal. She says no one should say defund the police ever again. No one should be talking about socialism. Uh, continued on uh, House Majority Whip James uh, Jim Clyburn was also critical of uh, of the messaging leading up to the election. He says, "quote If we are going to run on Medicare for all, defund the police, socialize medicine, we are simply not going to win." Unquote. Uh, Pelosi defends 
the party's performance, saying this has been a life or death fight for the very fate of our democracy. We did not win every battle, but we did win the war. We held the House, and Joe Biden is on a path to be the next president of the United States. Uh, she also told the caucus that they should speak with her directly if they have any complaints and even gave out uh, her personal telephone number. What I gather from this uh, is that Pelosi is largely in denial about uh, how she's allowed herself to be run over by a lot of the radicals uh, in her party. And I think the the radicals are, are uh, in denial as well, which shouldn't come as a major shock. Um, AOC has been going on and on about uh, leftist Dems who have won seats, neglecting the fact that they win in deep, deep blue districts where, as Nancy Pelosi herself said a few years ago, um, a glass of water could win if it had a D next to its name on the ticket. Uh, AOC even has some uh, some interesting some interesting takes here. Uh, so there's a direct quote from her Twitter. She says, uh, so the whole progressivism is bad argument just doesn't have any compelling evidence that I've seen. When it comes to, quote, defund and, quote, socialism attacks, people need to realize that these are racial resentment attacks, um, which seems questionable at best. Uh, I tend to think that not everyone who has issues with socialism or defunding law enforcement uh, has these problems on the grounds of racial resentment. They might just disagree <laughs> or appreciate, you know, free market capitalism's uh, benefits. Uh, in short, I think it would be a mistake uh, to focus any sort of energy on flipping seats in, in deep blue districts that are, you know, that elect people like AOC, like Rashida Tlaib, like Ed Markey, um, I, you know, it's a Senator, but um, you know, they, they, they can have those, but I, I am glad to see a large scale uh, repudiation of the worst parts of both parties at the moment. I think the Democrat party's uh, worst part is it's, is it's far left wing. And, I, and, and you saw a, a big rebuke of that. And I think obviously the Republican Party's worst part is, uh, or, or worst uh, representative is Donald Trump and, and to see him lose as well means good things for both parties. So I'll uh, give you guys the opportunity to talk now. Mm. Um, I'm just, I'm curious to see um, uh, what the electoral college will decide because the news reports are uh, in the various mainstream news report um, news agencies are reporting that Biden has won and people and people are out there celebrating in New York they're vibing and whatnot uh, and it's it, it seems like it indeed he is indeed uh, won initially but technically it's not final until the, the electoral college assembles. And officially the um, confirms that Biden has won. So yes, yes. That Trump, so Trump, and Trump has been, uh, he's been fighting. He's been he he's been going apeshit the same way Clinton did back in 2016. I don't think he'll get anywhere though. Because, um, on, I mean, Clinton, it, I is it is it really the same? I mean, Clinton called him that night and conceded, and Trump is going on and on about all the lawsuits he's going to file. True. I, I yeah. Think, Clinton I think, conceded and Trump didn't concede. So, so what, we'll, we'll go into, we'll go into how the rest of the election shakes out, but more right now, if we could focus on like reaction to the results and let's yeah. just, let's just take it that the result is that Biden won the presidency. I understand, yeah. you know, right. of course. Yeah. I think we can just take that as the, as the assumption. Yeah. I, I think Republicans uh, will I think Repu well, um, Republicans will probably become a bit more radicalized in their disillusion 
in, with the establishment, really? those who had uh, faith. Yeah. Um, um, if tr- tr- the thing about Trump is if Trump Trump wins, even if he loses, and Biden only I, well at least for the time being, and Biden only wins if he wins. And I'm, I'm getting that right directly from Jay Ray, who's a satirist. But in a sense, it's true because it um, because a Trump defeat will mobilize and radicalize right wingers in the same way that it increasingly did um, the left wing and Democrats in the 2016 election. The reason people were able to like AOC, one of the reasons people um, people like AOC rose up was somewhat in opposition to Trump with her more radical uh, proposals in response to Trump's more more willingness to engage with free trade and capitalism, whereas millennials are by and large increasingly socialist in their ideas. And so someone, right. and I think we're going to see that same effect. And this is Newton's third law, you know, any reaction has to have an equal and opposite reaction. We're going to see that. Sure. sure. <laughs> but would, would, would you agree that maybe getting rid of someone who's as much of a, as as much of a lightning rod, like I said, as Donald Trump would, therefore, you know, the the equal and opposite reaction would not be as extreme. Uh, no, I don't think so. I think it's I don't I don't think things are going to. As I've said before, I uh, in the previous episodes, I think things are going to uh, escalate. I don't think they're going to de-escalate. I think we're going to see more tension. Really, and I think things. I think. Um, I think the Republican Party will be 10 years in um, 10, 20 years from now will be what the Democrats were in 2012. And I think the Democratic Party will be the socialist, uh, will basically be the socialist party of the Democratic Socialist Party of America. Hmm. I so I yeah, I think there's going to be increased radicalization. That's always so, how it goes. So do, do you take anything from what I was telling you about about the, the failures of their of their socialist wing uh, this election cycle? Or is that just uh, not relevant in the calculation? I I think that I, I think they failed currently, but as more as millennials get older, millennials haven't let go of their uh, socialistic desires, and if more get into positions of power, we might see more attempts at legislation. Whether or not it succeeds or fails is remains to be seen, but I don't think I've done yet. Sure. Okay. And then uh, Ecclesia, if you want to talk about your reaction in general. Um, okay, so I haven't slept correctly in the last three days. My apologies. <laughs> That's all right. My, so the biggest takeaway I was surprised about is the House seats. Um, I think the biggest winners were Republican women who flipped, a lot of them minorities, um, who flipped a lot of the seats that they lost in um, 2018. Mm. Um, yeah, and, and I think Trump, yeah, I, this is the outcome that I wanted, um, you know, Biden winning with a, a Republican Senate and a House um, Democrat, but, okay. So, um, yeah, so I think Republican women were um, the biggest winners. And I think Trump also gaining among um, non-white voters since 1960. I mean, he had a big jump between uh, black men, black women and Hispanic voters is a good thing. I think it gives the GOP a good framework to build on um, in 2022 and 2024 um, to appeal to voters who don't historically vote for the GOP. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing I noticed is that I've seen a lot of um, progressives like AOC in particular saying that a lot of people who endorsed Medicare for All and Green New Deal were um, won their election, but if they come from very blue districts, if they're from like D plus 10 districts, I hardly see that as a win. 
I think it got rebuked on a national level. Like you can't run very progressive people in um, moderate or red districts and win. So I think progressives lost big time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah. The, that, that statistic, I keep coming back to it and just, I find it very humorous because Trump, <laughs> Trump, he did worst, the worst demographic he did with was white men. Right. And yeah. he did better across the board with every demographic, white women, uh, black men, I think black women as well, Hispanics, mm-hmm. etc. He did better with every demographic except that one demographic, which was his main demographic in twenty. 16 and i'm i'm not i can i can only assume that it's because they that demographic was a bit more was either mm-hmm. either got de-radical um de-radicalized in terms of they they had a leftward shift or they became disillusioned with trump during his first term and didn't vote for him because they wanted him to enact certain policies that he promised on his campaign like the wall and and more and a harder um, shutdown of immigration and what was done. Um, in fact, Obama's, in fact, Obama um, apprehended more immigrants in his four years, in his eight years, I think, than Trump did. Sure. So, yeah. And so, um, so Trump was very, compared to his rhetoric, Trump was rather lax and less lax even than Obama. Um, and so those, I can, I can think of that being one of the reasons why, um, why he, uh, did worse with his with his 2016 demogra- leading demographic. I also just find it kind of. I also part of me also just wants to attribute it to the um to the memes, um his success, <laughs> his success in the other demographics with the, to the memes because the campaign went hard with you know all the different songs like the um I can't if like with like the hit Cubans or the Latinos singing I will vote for Donald Trump in Spanish or something. Sure. I only ever saw clips of that song on TikTok because they made they people made fun of it to no end. And they also made fun of the real woman vote for Trump. Part of me wants to think that, 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 I, but that, that, that really only has outreach to young people though, right? Outreach to young people. Yes. But right. part of me, uh, the, the humor, the humorous part of me just it, wants to say that it's I, somehow magically caused him to spike in demographic. Certainly on the note of a uh, humor and entertainment, it, I will, I will, ever so slightly miss uh the entertainment of the trump presidency uh <laughs> you know there's a there's a lot more to it than that and a lot of reasons i won't miss it but that that is that is one thing that uh that'll be a little bit weird to not have as much and uh building off of uh, what ecclesia said about uh, the gop's voter turnout in uh, historically kind of unexpected demographics um i think if we can kind of draw from kind of additions that Trump may have uh, given to the party, you know, particularly with, with heavily increased uh, minority turnout uh, and combine it with sort of like the Mitt Romney-esque sizable voting block of, you know, affluent urban and suburban voters. That, that is like a, that is a powerhouse party right there and a powerhouse base. Um, And, you know, I I think there are a lot of things uh, that should be left behind from you know trump's rhetoric and policies and presidency but i i don't see why uh why we couldn't you know try and build off of off of, off of some of the successes that he's had particularly in um 
demographics that historically have never given any sort of, you know, vote to the uh, to the Republican Party. I mean, seven seventeen percent of, of yeah. black men voted for for Trump. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that that's that's like a massive gain. I guess um, the diversity coalition is going to become the reality after all, which I never, I did not anticipate the possibility that as we become more diverse, we're also we the Republicans still might have a chance. Um, to have power. Uh, all the projections I was seeing before this election were that as we become more diverse, and the 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 um the main voter base of the Republicans, which has historically, especially more recently, there's been majority white, uh, their power base would not level out and become equalized, but just continue to decrease until it would just be permanently Democrat. Right. Right. Sure. Uh, and then just just to. Uh, quick note for myself here: uh, Liberty candidates were way up in state legislatures this year, and uh, mm-hmm. politics starts locally. So, uh, you know, that's what's up. Uh, <laughs> I I don't think uh, you know creating uh, un- very unfortunately, and and to my great chagrin, but creating a break in the two party system isn't exactly realistic. Yeah. But I think this election. And maybe I'm just an optimist, and Tony and Tony's just a pessimist. But uh, I think mm-hmm. it kind of sets the framework for uh, improving the two parties and uh, and moving them kind of towards not you know not being full on centrists, but towards a style where there can be some diversity in the party of of thought and um, and some uh, and, and some bipartisan work and that sort of thing. Um, I think that's good for the country. I think a shift from you know, nationalist, populist, hardcore Trumpism to sort of like Rockefeller Republicans and and uh, constitutional conservatives blend. And, you know, for my own purposes, maybe some libertarians uh, is an overall benefit um, for the Republican Party in general. Uh, and like I said, you know, I'm generally pretty optimistic. Uh, so maybe this all sounds too optimistic for you if you're uh, if you're black pilled like Tony, but um, I'm clear pilled. Oh well, pardon me. I can elaborate uh, on that late another episode. Sure, sure. Yeah, we'll do a whole episode just to learn about that. Um, so <laughs> basically, maybe I, just trusting in God and knowing that He's in control of all things. Got you, got you, got you. Uh, okay. Mm, so, so maybe I am being optimistic, but let's let's let, let's hope not. Let's hope I'm being realistic. Um, and this, of course, would require the parties to you know look in the mirror a little bit. It, requ- it would require. Uh, the Democratic Party to look in the mirror and be like, you know what, maybe we shouldn't be so radical, or um, which I think they are in in part. And I think uh, hopefully the Republican Party will look in the mirror and be like, you know what, let's let's avoid um, centering our people, uh, you know, centering our party on people like Donald Trump. And I'm seeing good signs from both of them so far. Hmm. One yeah. thing I wonder about. Um, well, not one. I'll, I'll get to that in a moment. But I just want to reaffirm that I am going to also miss some of the humor of Trump as well, because we're not going to get a president who we are probably not in a long time going to get a president again who says when he's in his 60s or 70s, I'm young and vibrant. <laughs> I laughed. I, I laughed my ass off when I saw that. That was the that is by that is by far the a legendary quote, and it should be in the history books. Um, students should learn, should have to watch the clip of Trump saying, I'm young and vibrant and Joe Biden is old and sleepy or whatever mm-hmm. it was he said. Mm-hmm. That is the absolute mad lad. I will say in the last couple of weeks, um, Trump doing like five rallies a day in like different states and stuff. Like 
I'm a, I'm a healthy 16 year old. I don't know if I could keep up with the schedule that he was, uh, <laughs> that he was doing in the, How in the many last Red Bulls few weeks. Do you think he had? I mean, that's a great question. That's a great question. Um, I'm going um, probably. It, it, I, I, isn't isn't he a big diet coke guy? Wouldn't that be the thing? He that just, would be yeah. as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Got some caffeine in there. <laughs> uh, any final thoughts on just sort of like thoughts on the results, and then we'll get into how the rest of the election could possibly play out in a second. You guys don't have anything. Else? A few people were saying that the spikes of Biden. Uh, experienced overnight violated Benford's law, which is a, st- a, st- a law a st- in, stat- in statistics that is used to measure um, and predict certain outcomes in things like elections. Sure. And it's a stand, and it's a pretty accurate standard. It's it's the reason why people, um, why the U.S. will say that the Iranian um, elections are rigged, even though mm-hmm. there isn't any explicit evidence for it, because the election spikes always violate Benford's law. But it only, but the, um, and so, and the jumps Biden had did violate that um, law, but mm-hmm. it's only a probable, it's not definitive. Um, so, yeah. so like, it, and it could be, and if you were to take an account for the fact that, or it, at least as it was reported, more Democrats voted early mm-hmm. um, than mm-hmm. Republicans, it right. could be, a, it could, you could take into account that that was, that spike was due to those early votes, but which makes, which I would to be fair. I mean, Trump did explicitly tell his base to not vote mail in because he was worried about supposed fraud with no evidence. Um, and, and, you know, and that, and that's what he's doing now, but well, I mean, we're, we're getting a little bit into the next section. I was just asking if we had final thoughts on, on like thoughts on, on the results that we know, not so much. I feel like we're. I, I feel like it's becoming increasingly more set in stone, unless and unless and less up in the air. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, I mean, more. You know, more for the future. So, Tony, you said you think that politics will get more radical, and that. Mm-hmm. Um, so you mm-hmm. said that you think the Republican Party will shift left or shift no, further no, no. right. No, no, no. I think it's going okay. to become more dis. I don't think it's going to shift left. Um, well, I think the Republican Party might um, officially, but the base. Um, but the base, those who would typically vote for, they might either follow with, the younger people might follow with, or the people who, in, or those who were Trump supporters in this election might become disenfranchised and become, and they, apart, distinct from the party, might become more radical in their, um, in their methods and perhaps in their ideology, but I think primarily in their methods. They, because, and we've seen in general on both sides that as the years have gone, as these past couple of years have gone on, we've seen an increase in those who consider political violence a legitimate form of action, particularly on the left, but increasing on the right as well. And the right still isn't burning buildings, they're not looting, they're not causing violence, but they're becoming more willing to protest in the streets in mass numbers and be angry. Okay. Uh, I mean, there have been, you know, um, certainly demonstrations um, and and uh, organized things for a long time. You know, there there was like the Tea Party for a while. Um, there was, you know, the the Occupy movement, and those are very different things. I think part of it is is you kind of look at like the Occupy movement and Antifa and mm-hmm. and, and and BLM largely, and it's like it's so violent, you know. And you look, um, but if you look at like the tea party or even, and, and I, and I personally like disagree 
with the people who are like chanting outside of like polling centers or, you know, polling places. Um, I don't think it's productive, but I haven't seen a window smashed. I haven't seen a cop beaten up. I haven't seen, you know, I haven't seen a random person beaten up. I haven't seen something looted. Um, so certainly I think I'm, I'm fine with, you know, with having a, a country where people freely feel the right to protest mm-hmm. or the right to mm-hmm. do whatever. Um, and I think without, and this is kind of what I was talking about earlier, that without Trump, I think um, the political pressure or, you know, the, the political temperature kind of goes down a little bit. Um, and the more the temperature goes down, the less likely it is that you're going to have, you know, massive, largely destructive and violent sort of things. Like you might have protests, but you probably won't have uh, as much, you know, as much, as much chaos mm-hmm. as, we, as we have seen this year. Um, at least, at least that's my hope. And that, that was really um, the key factor in any sort of like fairly unenthusiastic, but existing support I had for Joe Biden. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like um, moving forward though, I think the Republican party is going to be fractured in the sense of like, we have this new um, populist wing and then we have like kind of establishment, like the old guard, you know, um, yeah. Ryan era um, type of, people and I I don't know if they can find a candidate that can connect both of those factions. I've seen people talking about if Donald Trump Jr. may make a run in 2024 or you're gonna have people like Josh Hawley or Tom Cotton. Mm-hmm. I feel like we're gonna see a bit of a fracture in taking the party forward without, you know, sacrificing either wing. Right. Uncle right. Carlson is pretty popular and I right. don't I wonder I've heard primarily from I've heard primarily from paleo cons because they like mm-hmm. some of his, they like some of his rhetoric. That, that, that's where yeah. Tony hangs out. That's where Tony. I don't. I, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not a paleo con. I'm not a paleo con. I've, I've, I've made that clear. I, yeah. I've made clear my. I've made clear what few positions I have. Actually, that but, that makes me curious. Uh, Ecclesia, could you tell us a little bit about how you would you about how you would politically identify yourself? Oh, um, I would just say I'm a conservative. I'm kind of all over the place, to be honest. But um, I don't think. Okay, if if I was to pick a politician, I feel like Paul Ryan would best represent my views. That nice. could give you an idea. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm only, I'm the reason I mentioned Tucker though is because he is still popular. He's main he's mainstream enough to that if he, someone like him were to run for president in 2024, right. which I've heard whispers of, I don't think he said. Oh that. God. Oh God. Uh, <laughs> he's mainstream enough and. and He's still not a big, he's still, I, I, I think the reason you don't like him is because he's been willing to criticize capitalism and free markets and he's not fully on board. He's just, that. he's got these like, um, so, okay, I, we're going off on a bit of a tangent here, but. Let, uh, we can do that for a moment. Yeah, just, just a moment, just a moment. Um, I have serious issues with like populism's intersections of like right-wing populism and, and left-wing populism where you see Tucker take on a lot of these like, uh, and, and, and Trump had the same ideas of like, okay, all these tariffs and trade restrictions and all this stuff. And I'm like, dude, can we like, can we not, you know, cause <laughs> it, it is, it is quite possibly as, as someone who is pretty socially libertarian and then more kind a of combination like, of left-wing economics with more socially conservative values. Yes. yes it's the, the worst yeah. combination. It's the worst yeah. combination. He's a hardcore social conservative with these like left-wing populist ideas on economics. And I'm like, bro, this could not, this could not be, this, this could not be a worse combination. I mean, it could be worse. Me. If he was capitalist, then he'd just be Pinochet. 
I that okay. That's, that's one way. Of looking I mean, I'm at not. It. I'm not. I mean, well, Pinochet was yeah. far more radical than Tucker ever will be. But I'm, I just couldn't resist making the joke. But that may, that makes sense. Uh, that you would take issue with his economic policies and sympathies, and I. It would be interesting, though. I, I still. I still, in terms of just his clout and his optics and the base that Tucker would have, if he were to run, mm. he pro- depending on who his opposition would be, he may or may, he w- may or may not win if such a president presidential race were to occur. But that's not something that seems to be the reality. I think what I think does large... seem to be the reality is Kanye running for president in twenty twenty four. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah. Um. Did you see? Did you see his wife didn't even vote for him? <laughs> Nah. <laughs> oh, Kim, well, Kim, yeah. Kim was all oh. like, you know, I'm, I'm so proud to, I'm so proud to vote for Biden and Harris. And oh yeah. Like, oh no, poor Kanye. <laughs> um, uh, let's yeah. see here. Uh, the, it would be, um, so I, it would, I, it would have to be that that I'm wrong on all this. If Tucker would have beat the nominee or to run in, in 2024, um, because my, my hope, like I said, is that we shift away from the sort of nationalist populist stuff. Um, and if Tucker is considered anything and for the party in 2024, then I've failed miserably in my, uh, prediction and, and my, and my hopes are dead, but, <laughs> um, yeah, my, my hope is that we move away from elevating people like Tucker and more elevating people people like Paul Ryan. <laughs> um, in a more in a more organized segment, hopefully, uh, now we're going to be talking a little bit about how the rest of the election, particularly presidential, and also um, perhaps the two runoff races in Georgia, uh, are going to are going to play out. Um, so just just to note, rest of the election. Uh, I, I wrote down some of this stuff last night. I, I predicted, you know, Biden, like he's going to win as of today. Biden has, has won, has been, um, it, it, you know, it, it's been officially called, uh, or I'm sorry, Tony hasn't been officially called because the college hasn't uh, <laughs> completely filled out. But that's all right. As, as for uh, Trump's many lawsuits and his claims of the left stealing the election, He's within his rights to demand recounts when he can or to take issues to court when he can uh, legally. But I think we should, or you know what, fine. I'll come out and say it. I won't speak for everyone. I'll come out and say it and say that there's no major evidence of widespread um, or conspiratorial voter fraud right now. And I think it's irresponsible to suggest that there is. Uh, at the same time, I will not take the faux outrage about election conspiracies from the same people who called, you know, 2016 a Russian hoax for years, who repeatedly suggest that Stacey Abrams is the rightful governor of Georgia, who, or who uh, just a few weeks ago were calling long voting lines voter suppression. I, I you know, I, I won't, I won't take it from them, but I will say it myself. Um, I am curious to get your guys' perspective. On if you think there's any legitimacy to Trump and many other Republicans' claims of of you know mass voters uh, of of mass voter fraud in this election. Um, yeah, even if Trump uh, is right, even if Trump's claims are right, he's not going to get anywhere with it. So I think it's a losing endeavor to try to get anything. He's already been shot down by several judges and lawyers. Right. right. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I don't think there's any evidence of fraud. I think they just lost. I don't, I, they can't, if Democrats want to do fraud, they're not going to give them the Senate and keep House seats and legislative seats and just give them a presidency. I, I just don't think the claim by its face just doesn't make any sense to me. 
Yeah, yeah. And um, and if there's any legitimacy to any of these kind of smaller claims of, oh, you know, 3,000 votes in, in Arizona weren't, you know, were counted wrongly, that's mm-hmm. fine. You can recount them. It's not going to make a difference, right? Uh, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's like he he can he can do it. He can do it if he legally can. But when he gets up there uh, on the night of the election, he says, we're going to the Supreme Court. It's like, I, I don't think that's how that works. I don't think you can just like show up right. to the Supreme Court and be like, hey, listen to my case. Um, even even his messaging, like he would say, stop the count in one state. And then he would say, count the vote in the other ones. Like you have to pick one. Absolutely. Um, OK, as for so I think we can agree that regardless of, of the legitimacy of it, that they're not going to make um, significant differences that like the results are pretty final at the moment. Um, now, just, just, just for fun, if the lawsuits do change anything, I think this is, this is where like my doomsday take kicks in. Oh God. <laughs> like, like stuff really goes down, like straight up, like straight up civil war. Um, you know, I'm not, not, you know, hopefully not, uh, but I'm, I'm kind of joking, but um, not, not entirely. So again, won't happen, but if it did, you know, I get, get the camera cause it, it's about to go down. Um, <laughs> do you guys uh, know anything about the sort of uh, the, the, uh, the two runoffs in Georgia right now? No. Okay. All right. Well, uh, so David Perdue and John Ossoff, their race, and then um, Raphael Warnock and Kelly Loeffler. Uh, Georgia law, you have to win 50% or more uh, of the vote to win, regardless of if you win the most. Perdue won 49.8. Um, and actually, in the Loeffler-Warnock election, Warnock uh, got a lot more votes than Loeffler. What's important to understand is that I believe there were actually two Republicans running there and one Republican got almost as much as Loeffler. Um, but Loeffler and Warnock are both going to a runoff and, you know, ideally, uh, the votes from, from the other Republican find their way over to Loeffler and she wins comfortably. I think Purdue will win comfortably. He won by uh, a couple hundred thousand in the original race. Now I think, I think you're going to see a crap load of money poured into this by everyone basically um and i think i think it'll be you know i guess interesting to watch but i would be confident uh you know if you're a republican i would be confident that um that they'll both win um tom tillis has essentially won his race in north carolina and then uh dan sullivan in alaska these are the only these are the four non-confirmed uh races up right now making you know, at uh, most likely a 52-48 majority in the Senate for the Republicans. And I'd say probably realistic worst case scenario, 51-49, it would take a catastrophe, like a a literal, um, you know, historical upset for it to uh, be tied. Uh, If it does, then uh, we're screwed. But but I, I doubt that will happen. All right, uh, now for everybody's favorite segment, we're going to be uh, uh, answering some listener questions. Uh, our first question here is, uh, what do you think about the Electoral College? Do you think that it could use some reform or uh, or an alternative way of choice? 
So I think there's uh, certainly room for reform uh, in in some areas of it. I think the idea of like uh, of of complete abolition uh, is of course unconstitutional and not super uh, not super well thought out. Pretty emotional, quick reaction. Um, and look, there, there's a reason that only you know urban Democrats who you know are the who, who carry the popular vote are the ones telling you to make the popular vote the most, uh, you know, the, 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 the main, um, power in, in elections. Um, I think I'm open to, you know, considering some alternatives like, uh, like, like ranked choice voting, for example. Um, now I, I again, I, I think, I would be. I, I would prefer to keep the electoral college in place with some you know, potential uh, reforms. What I would personally like to see is if states um, could split delegates in a way that you're not running, you know, fifty or, or I guess fifty-one. Um, you know, you're, you're not running fifty-one popular vote campaigns that say California, which I believe had you know however many votes for Biden, and then about half as many for Trump. You know, it would get it would give two thirds of its delegates um, to Biden and then a third of its delegates to Trump. Uh, ideally, just because you know, I've I, I live in California. I, I I've been um, around the state a fair amount. Um, I live not too far from San Francisco, um, but I you know, but I've I've been to you know, Mountain Town, uh, backwoods, uh, not backwoods. That's not uh, that, that's a different thing. Um, but like you know, mountain town up in the uh, up in the kind of middle of nowhere, California, and I think that having San Francisco and LA completely dictate the um, the results for you know for for the Central Valley and for everyone else doesn't fully match up with with the idea of of a of a representative government. Um, so your your guys' thoughts on the electoral college as a whole? Yeah, I think that uh, people who get pissed off about the fact that the electoral college exists they they want a democracy when we don't live in a democracy we live in a republic and that means we have to well we have to have a certain there's there's we have to have it's not direct um and there are mediators between between the people and those in power uh and one of the ways to balance out to balance the, the, the purpose of the Electoral College is to create a balance across the nation so that um, you don't just have a thousands and thousands of people within one portion of the country ruling technically and everybody else is left out to dry. So it, it's meant to allow Michigan, say, the state of Wisconsin, which has rel- very few people relatively to California to have the same amount of power as a state in terms of their voice as California does with its millions of people. It's meant to create a balance across on the state level in terms of power and their rep- and representation in national elections. And, it, and it's somewhat at the um, expense of the individual voter, but that's somewhat that, that that's to an extent the point of the of the republican system of checks and balances it's meant to balance out um an overwhelming amount of power on one side so that it's there's equilibrium 
Nice, nice. Yeah, I um I agree. I think electoral college is fair. I think it gives the state enough um representative or enough say in the presidency. I come from I'm from Virginia, Northern Virginia, so I'm like from a very very dark blue district that turns Virginia blue almost every election year. Mm. <laughs> Although it feels like my like it feels like my vote does not count because regardless it's going to be blue because we have a huge um population here but not having electoral college means that people who live in very dense um liberal cities will have a say over the whole entire country and i don't think that's fair and it only would take a couple states to win um a certain amount of votes if you take california and new york are the biggest ones and then you have you ignore the rest of the country while small states like i don't know rhode island or connecticut would be ignored and i don't think that's fair although i do think that there might be some um space for reform i'm not exactly sure how that would look like sure sure um yeah certainly so uh, a massive like get out the vote effort that Mm -hmm. this election cycle for sure and i was just thinking to myself so i'll i'll just be able to vote um in the 2022 midterms and i was thinking to myself like what's what's the point right because um and i guess this is more uh, on the on the other question which is uh, thoughts on the direct popular vote on a direct popular vote for president and for Senate uh, and governors on all that. And I thought to myself that it doesn't really matter, you know, what I, what I do because I would, you know, most likely vote for, for a Republican candidate. Um, but I realize that that's doesn't, you know, it's not going to make a difference um, that there will always be, or, you know, at least for a very long time, unless something significantly changes, uh, that there will be two Democratic senators from from California, that my, you know, one lone Republican vote isn't enough to stand up to Los Angeles and San Francisco and, um, and the like. So uh, I, I certainly appreciate the principle of the Electoral College. And then, uh, like like Ecclesi was saying, I, I don't know what exact reforms I'm, you know, I would be talking about, but I, I would certainly be open uh, to it. What I'm not open to is is you know is abolition, is is get rid of it entirely, that sort of thing. Yeah. yeah. yeah um, uh, Ecclesi and I have shared our experiences from you know solidly blue states. Uh, can you share your experience from a from a battleground state, from from an unspecified, unnamed battleground state? You mean me? Yes. Uh, yes, me. So yeah, I live in a battleground state and I was expecting it to go, I was expecting it to go, to go full on red, but it didn't go. That was my prediction. Um, and Justin was freaking out um, um, privately to me, telling me to go vote because um, we need this particular state to go red and alongside uh, Florida and a couple other battleground states. Spoiler and, alert, spoiler alert, it did not go red. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And yeah, it didn't go red, too much to my surprise. I thought that we had sort of had the, uh, at least the middle um, the middle of the state fine, but uh, the, the major cities, of course, they swung in and they made the state go blue, which isn't surprising. Their liberals are predominantly in big cities because they like the because they like the cosmopolitan the cosmopolitanism they like the diversity and of sexuality and of ethnicity and of uh, culture sure. and religion and sure. that's what they celebrate they celebrate the diversity of this and they thrive in it and that's their their identity is in the multiplicity of identity and that's a big part of and, and, and a big and a city is big it has housed a lot of people 
And so therefore it's going to house a lot of these same people in that. And so it allows them then to conglomerate and turn a state blue, like New York city also went blue because primarily, I mean, New York, the state of New York went blue, even though because of New York city, even though the rest of the uh, city or the state is very red. Right. And right. So same thing happened here in my battleground state. Uh, right. As I should have expected. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah, that's an interesting thought. Um, I can sense your your uh, your discomfort with uh, diversity of religion, but uh, not well, <laughs> not not well. It's not it's not discomfort. I, I I see. While on the national level, I would like there to be more uniformity. I mean, we live in a Protestant. We, we live in a Protestant nation. We're never going to get. We're never. We live in a Protestant nation, so by default, we're going to always have even diversity among Christians. <laughs> I mean, I'm an Orthodox Christian. I would very much like there to be uniformity. In the oh my God, me too. In, you're Orthodox. Yes, Eastern Orthodox, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm trying to convert to Eastern Orthodoxy. Um, oh, so, okay. Yeah, so that's okay. we can we can talk about that later after the podcast. <laughs> but so, but we live in a we live in a Protestant nation, so we're never gonna. So it's not like we, you can expect there to be in reality, any sort of uh, diversity to begin with. But also, I, if there is one thing I like about the, the increasing increase in diversity is it allows me, um, this is selfish, but it allows me to have, to more easily access various religions and learn about them for, firsthand instead of having to go to the library. And I can actually meet people who practice them. And that was right. something I was hoping, that was something I was hoping to do actually Nice. Um, I, I won't okay. I won't divert, right. but I was hoping Yeah, to well, that. okay. I, I was gonna say yeah. you just said you won't divert, but you kinda already I was about did. To. Yes, okay. it's my habit. All right, all right. Uh I don't know how we got here, but it's okay. You asked me about you you made a joke about diversity. Oh, sure. Uh, thanks everybody for tuning in for another sort of off the rails episode of Regrettably Zoomers. Uh and thanks very much to Ecclesia for coming on. Um we hope Thank you, you enjoyed. for having me. Absolutely. Um, as always, reach out with uh, with any feedback, questions, comments on Twitter. Uh, we will all see you next week. Thanks for listening. Bye for now.